just looking at the big picture, this has been a year of tremendous progress for the environment and a year of really inspirational action by Maine people in support of the environment they love. That's NRCM's Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim, and you're listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. In this episode, Pete reflects on moments of hope in 2019 at the State House and across Maine. Here's my conversation with Pete. The 20th anniversary of the Edwards Dam was a wonderful event held along the banks of the Kennebec River, where we celebrated the progress that we've made. The dam was removed here in Augusta, and the river ran free for the first time since 1837. And since that removal, we've had tens of millions of alewives returning to this river. This year alone, more than three million alewives returned and were counted as they passed through the Benton Falls fish lift. Two million alewives returned to the Penobscot. Half a million returned to the St. Croix River. Each of these have been projects that NRCM has been involved with, where we've been opening up the river for the sake of the fish. And this year at the Edwards Dam celebration, there were sturgeon leaping from the river, there were osprey and eagles overhead, and there were about a hundred of us uh, standing at the side of the river toasting to the accomplishments and to the future of this amazing river. And in many ways, rivers and the what they represent have been a theme throughout this year. We had some significant legislative accomplishments related to rivers, a reclassification bill and a bill dealing with sustenance fishing rights for Maine's tribes. But also our new governor, Governor Janet Mills, had the river theme in her inaugural address She quoted from Cornelia Crosby, Maine's first registered guide, who I think became a guide in 1897. And the quote that she read from, which was wonderful, streams like the people of Maine change direction on occasion to find the best way forward. Many days I awake to see the mist rising from the Sandy River as it steers its course to the Kennebec, the winter's breath unveiling a new day in my hometown, a new day in this state. And in many ways, this year has been a new day in this state. So that's a wonderful quote. And this was Governor Janet Mills' first year in office. So what stands out to you at the State House? Well, one thing that really stands out is the return of civility. So this year, the House and the Senate each decided to mix up the seating chart. So Democrats and Republicans were sitting next to each other instead of being on opposite sides. That was an important symbolic step to communicate that we're going to be here and develop relationships and try not to be in warring camps. And I believe that it really had a constructive role in supporting efforts by lawmakers to get to know each other, to connect about policy issues, and not to treat this as armed battle, but more as people with different points of view striving to achieve the same thing, which is the right outcome for Maine people one Republican state senator who shared with me at the end of the legislative session said, this year we started to talk to each other again. And they really did. And they adjourned on time. It was somewhat of a return to regular order. They accomplished a lot. You know, in our area, they they passed almost every bill that we were working to to support. Like more than 30 really good bills dealing with the environment and clean energy passed this year. And that was phenomenal. And these were almost entirely bipartisan initiatives. 
there were two pieces of legislation that passed at the state house this year about plastic pollution. Can you talk a bit more about their importance? So this year, the state of Maine became the third state in the country to ban single-use plastic bags, and we were the first state to ban foam food packaging. So these are two significant areas where, in our everyday life, we are producing a lot of trash, and it's completely avoidable. And what was exciting about both of these initiatives is people at the local level really decided to take initiative on their own to try to deal with plastic pollution in their communities. So dozens of towns adopted ordinances over the last several years to phase out plastic bags and promote reusable bags. Same thing has been true with foam food packaging. The town of Freeport first banned foam food packaging back in 1990, and and now we have well over a dozen additional towns. So those communities started taking action, and that was really important to create the basis uh, for statewide action. I think people recognize that plastics is a big problem in our oceans, and it's one of those things that we can get rid of. We've only had plastic shopping bags since the mid-1970s. We can move away from those plastic bags. In this particular case, it was exciting also because the Grocers Association, the Retail Association, and NRCM came together and developed a compromise bill that really was a breakthrough in terms of strong support from diverging parties. Those bills are examples of local action sort of driving state policy. So was local action a theme of 2019? I think the history of environmental protection in the state of Maine is one of local action and a tremendous amount of local engagement that helps lawmakers understand that this is what the people of Maine expect. But two definitely come to mind. One area is solar. We've had eight years of very difficult confrontation and partisan bickering about uh, whether Maine would improve its solar policy. There was significant support at the legislature year after year uh, with bipartisan majorities, but then bills were defeated because of vetoes by Governor LePage, our previous governor. This year, though, we passed a big comprehensive bipartisan solar bill. We passed a renewable portfolio standard bill, and we overturned a bad PUC rule. Now with these breakthrough policies, The year ahead is just going to be fantastic for solar power development in the state. There will be hundreds of significant new solar projects. Maine is now on the map to become a leader in solar energy development, and that's that's great. That's been the result of a lot of hard work, collective work, so I'm glad that 2019 and the decade can end on that positive note. Now, again, local action I know that lots of towns throughout the state have voted to oppose the CMP corridor. Do you know exactly how many? I think 25 towns now have voted to rescind their support for the CMP project or to outright oppose it. And uh, Maine people, particularly in western Maine, Franklin County and Somerset County, are like red hot opposed to this project. And they are deeply worried about the impact it would have across the globally significant forested landscape that is their backyard. That's where they hunt. That's where they fish. That's an area that has some of the last best brook trout habitat in the country. And it's an area that is just part of their 
landscape, and they don't believe that this project is necessary or a good idea or a good deal for Maine people. And there's a citizen effort to get this question on the ballot for the November 2020 election to give Maine people an opportunity to vote whether they support or oppose this this project. NRCM strongly opposes this project. We hope that the issue will uh, be on, on the ballot, and that'll give Maine people an opportunity to decide whether this is the right way to go. My guess is that if it makes it to the ballot, uh, Maine people will, will reject this project. So 2019 also marks the three-year anniversary of Katahdin Woods and Waters National Monument. What are some updates that you have to share about the monument? Well, Katahdin Woods and Waters is just a fantastic place, and we're so pleased to have been part of, of the campaign to, to make that happen. And sh- during this past fall, finally, directional road signs were installed. Our previous governor opposed uh, even signage that would help people find the new monument. But tens of thousands of people were finding the monument without the signs actually being installed. But now we have six big, new, beautiful signs along the interstate and more than a dozen additional signs along the state routes. That's important. And uh, this year, there's been significant progress that has been led by the Department of Interior and people in the local communities developing a management plan for the future of the monument. And in addition to uh, the celebration of the third anniversary, there also was another Dark Skies event. Dark Skies is a diminishing resource. There are fewer and fewer places around the world where you can really see the stars and, and the sky without light pollution. And it turns out that the Katahdin Woods and Waters National Monument is one of the darkest areas east of the Mississippi. So this year there was uh, an event to celebrate dark skies. There's an organization that we've been part of called Friends of KWW, Friends of Katahdin Woods and Waters. And they had a partnership in developing a dark skies guide that uh, was released as part of the fall dark skies event. And it was an interesting collaboration between Friends of Katahdin Woods and Waters and a summer fellow who is a Colby College junior, and that is a, is a nice resource so that uh, those people who do get up to the monument, who camp up there or are just generally in the Katahdin-Baxter State Park area, can look up and see stars in the, in the Milky Way galaxy in a way that you just can't see in very many other places anywhere, and that's a wonderful thing to celebrate. That doesn't surprise me. I've seen those stars. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Youth climate activists have had quite a year. You know, as someone who's worked in environmental policy for how many years? Decades. Decades. (laughs) How do you feel and think about the work that youth climate activists have done this year? This clearly has been a year of of youth climate activism um, in a very important and inspiring way. Of course, there's Greta Thunberg, and she's been recognized as Person of the Year by Time magazine, and that's fantastic, extremely deserving. So here in the state of Maine, we've seen some tremendous engagement by students to bring attention both to the importance of solar energy development, the solutions, as well as raising an alarm about the climate problem. And there have been several youth climate strike days, and we've also been really inspired by work, particularly in the Portland area, where we um, saw this group called Solarize Portland, who persuaded the Portland School Board to switch to clean energy for all of their schools. And that's fantastic. 
and just listening to their advocacy and seeing the level of commitment that they've been bringing to this issue is um, is wonderful and it's turning heads and helping everybody understand that we have an emerging generation that will be living with the climate challenge their entire life in a way that should force the rest of us to be part of the complex challenge of transitioning away from fossil fuels for the future of this planet. Yeah, so that does give me hope. It is totally amazing. And I hope it just continues to build. It wouldn't surprise me. And so, of course, 2019 marks NRCM's 60th anniversary. I'd love to know what you're thinking about as we move to 2020 and the year ahead and even the years ahead. The legislature will return in early January, and they've got a number of important issues to address. And they'll be focusing on a land bond, so we need to get more money for the Land for Maine's Future program. And there'll be some important uh, efforts on clean water, and there'll be a very important bill before the legislature to create a product stewardship program for packaging, and NRCM is involved in all of those. But kind of just stepping back from the legislative process and thinking about what 2020 represents in a larger context, 2019 was the year that the state of Maine adopted a very important climate action bill. It created the Maine Climate Council, and that council has started its work, and it has six working groups, and they're starting their work. And by December 1st, 2020, they needed to develop a new climate action plan for the state. So this coming year will be an extremely important period of conversation and discussion and policy analysis and crafting of a new climate action plan that will put us on the path we need to be on to reduce our climate pollution 80% by 2050. So that is going to be a big signature focus for the year for us, for the nearly 250 people who are part of the Climate Council and these working groups. And that's extremely important and should be somewhat of an all-hands-on-deck occasion for people who care about this issue to be part of it, to show up to events that will happen in the fall that will be listening sessions by the Climate Council. But there's some other uh, milestones this year that I'm aware of. March 15th will be the 200th anniversary of statehood for the state of Maine, and that's an opportunity for us to celebrate what Maine is. And we think that the environment, our woods, our waters, our wildlife, our connection to our natural resources is part of that. April 22nd is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, and Earth Day 1970 was a moment when people around the world suddenly paid a lot of attention and mobilized by the millions to bring attention to the imperative of, of stewardship of our planet. And in the middle of the summer, July 17th, is the anniversary, also the 50th anniversary, of the Allagash River being designated by the Department of Interior as the nation's first wild river under the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act. And that's of special significance to NRCM. NRCM started as an organization 60 years ago in 1959 for the singular initial purpose of protecting the Allagash. And then about 10 years later, we succeeded with that official designation of the Allagash as a wild and scenic river. And 
it kind of speaks to the persistence of this organization, the longevity of our efforts, and a big accomplishment that is important today as it was in 1970. And I think that many of the things that we have been focusing on as an organization recently, solar energy development, climate action, protecting our rivers, fisheries restoration, tackling the plastic pollution issue, all of those will be as important to the people living here 50 years from now as they are to us today. And I think the year ahead, I'm hopeful, will be one where the people of Maine come together and embrace a big, significant climate action plan that will help facilitate the transition to a clean energy economy that will generate jobs, will have the transportation system of the future, and will position Maine as a real leader among other states that are focusing on the future and focusing on how stewardship and our economy come together in a way that helps protect this place. So there's a lot of work to do in 2020, but 2019 shows that it can be done. It does. I think this was a turning point for the state. I think all of us here look forward to continuing to build on that progress. Thank you, Pete. And to conclude this episode, we wanted to leave you with part of Greta Thunberg's speech from the UN Climate Change Conference on December 11th. Right now, we are desperate for any sign of hope. Well, I'm telling you, there is hope. I have seen it. But it does not come from the governments or corporations. It comes from the people. The people who have been unaware but are now starting to wake up. And once we become aware, we change. People can change. People are ready for change. And that is the hope because we have democracy. And democracy is happening all the time, not just on election day, but every second and every hour. It is public opinion that runs the free world. In fact, every great change throughout history has come from the people. We do not have to wait. We can start the change right now. We, the people. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. We wish you a wonderful end of the year, and you'll hear more from us in 2020. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So thank you again.